Today on More to Life, words fail. Are you struggling to get people to listen to your needs, your concerns, or your boundaries? We're going to help you break through. Give us a call at 877-573-7825. Everyone says they want to have a great marriage and family and personal life. Well, the theology of the body reveals how you can actually achieve it. More to Life. The happiest couples know how to say I do to each other every moment of every day. Surprising. Relevant. Hopeful. Angela, let's not just settle for stopping your son's behavior. Exactly. Let's talk about the kind of young man you want to raise. Practical. Theology of the body-based answers for every part of your life. God's original blueprint didn't include depression and anxiety. Yeah, that's a human invention. God wants to set you free. Let's talk about making that happen. The life you were meant to live through the theology of the body. More to life. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. I'm Lisa Popchak. And today on More to Life, words fail. We're talking about those times when there is kind of a breakdown in communication. And we're asking you, are you struggling to get someone you care about to listen to you? Maybe you feel like they're misunderstanding your intentions or refusing to listen to your point. Maybe you've tried to tell someone that they've hurt you, only to have them ignore you. Or you've tried to set boundaries with somebody, only to have them walk all over you anyway. And you know what? That includes our kids, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you're struggling to get them to listen to your rules or respect your consequences. Whether we're talking with adults or kids or anyone in between, sometimes words fail. And if you're having a hard time getting someone to listen to you, give us a call. Let us help you discover godly and effective ways to be heard. The number 877-573-7825. Again, that's 877-573-7825. Well, let's just take a moment of humility and really reflect on, are we listening that well to other people? You know, is that, that is there that person or people in your life where as soon as they open their mouths on a particular topic especially, your eyes kind of roll into the back of your head. You just kind of like in your head, there's that little cartoon character just beating your head against the wall because you've heard it all before. You know what they're going to say. And you just think your only way to survive that moment of conversation or that day with them or whatever that time is, is by checking out. You just don't think you can listen to another thing that person has said because you've heard it all before. And so you end up being frustrated. Well, if you've got that person in your life where you feel like your only survival (laughs) skill is to shut down and not listen, or they're doing that to you, you got that person who's so stubborn that if that topic between you comes up, no matter what that topic is, they just shut you off completely and you can actually see it in how their body is moving well how do you break through that wall and actually communicate and build that relationship again sometimes it's them sometimes it's us but it's not very fruitful for either party let's help you out with that today at 877-573-7825 that's 877-573-7825 
25. And whether you're in that conversation, you know, for example, with your adult kids about faith or values, or your spouse about that issue that you're concerned about, or your kids about that discipline question, or, or anybody else that's in your life and you're having a hard time breaking through, or, you know, as I was saying, you know, you, that somebody has hurt you and you've tried to let them know and they just kind of blow it off or you've tried to set boundaries and they just sort of walk all over you anyway. Whatever the situation is, if words are failing, we want to help you identify the next steps toward being heard. 877-573-7825. Again, that number is 877-573-7825. So if you're actually listening to the question we're asking, basically, are you frustrated in a relationship or a situation? It's probably because one of you is not feeling heard. Or you're trying real hard, but it's just not getting through. Give us a call today on More to Life and let us help you overcome that frustration and heal that situation. 877-573-7825. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can also send your questions in to questions at moretoliferadio.com. That's more, the number two, liferadio.com. And every day on More to Life, we take a look at the topic of the day through the lens of St. John Paul's theology of the body. And if you're not aware of what that is, uh, St. John Paul, when he was Pope, gave a series of reflections over the course of about five years that looked at how prayerfully reflecting on God's creation can teach us a lot about God's plan for living a more abundant life and having healthier, holier relationships. The theology of the body tells us that love is the only appropriate response to another person. Now, listening is an important part of loving. If we say we love someone, that means we're committing to working for their ultimate good. In the same way, when someone says they love us, that means they're supposed to be committed to working for our ultimate good as well. The thing is, we can't know what each other needs, what our goals are, what our struggles are, if we aren't willing to listen. Listening is hard, but it's even harder to feel loved by someone who is unwilling to really listen to us. You know, God's given us both a right to be heard and the responsibility to listen. We don't have to agree with someone to listen to them. In fact, the more we disagree with them, the more important it is to actually listen. It's the only way to create communion out of confusion. Really listening to someone means working hard to find the message behind their words or the needs or good intentions behind what they're saying, especially when it's difficult. What's their story? What are their needs? What are some ways I can help them feel loved or supported? Even when we think the other person's wrong, we have an obligation to listen to them and work to understand them so that we can, with God's grace, find some way to draw closer to each other and move forward together. Of course, those breakdowns in communication make it really hard to listen or feel like we've been heard. And if you're finding yourself in that place and you're not sure what to do or say at this point, give us a call. The number is 877 573-7825. Again, that number is 877-573-7825.
25. If you're having a hard time getting someone to listen to you, if you feel like they're misunderstanding your intentions or refusing to hear your point, if they've hurt you and you've told them about it and they just sort of blow it off, or you've set some boundaries with somebody and they walk all over them anyway, it's hard sometimes when words fail. And we are here to help you be heard at 877-573-7825. Let's take our concerns to the Lord, and then we'll start taking your calls. In the name of the, the Father, Father, and the, the Son, Son, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we come into your presence, and we thank you for being the words of everlasting life and giving us those words that enable us to share ourselves with others and create communion out of confusion. And yet there are some times where it seems like words can fail us. We attempt to communicate our thoughts, our views, our beliefs, our needs, and our our boundaries. And other people just either ignore them or disregard them entirely. Help us to know how to respond when words fail so that we can not give up or not blow up, but really respond in graceful ways that help us to build communion out of that confusion. We ask all of this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and in the name of the the Father, Father, and the the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pope St. John Paul the Great. Pray for us. Today on More to Life, words fail. What do we do in those times when we're just not able to be heard by someone and we're not able to get our message across or have them respect our boundaries? Give us a call. The number is 877 573 7825. Let's talk now with Margaret, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Virginia. Hi, Margaret. Welcome to More to Life. What's going on? Hi, good morning. Um, I've been married to my husband for 27 years, been together for 30 years. And in that time, he's forgotten my birthday five times, and he forgot my birthday last week, and that was the second year in a row. And, and so I can I'm hear how hurt sure. you are. Yeah. So what? What? How, and what did you do about it? How, how, what? What happened then? How have you guys processed it? I told him mm-hmm. that it upset me, and he said he was sorry. But that's all he said. Just I'm sorry. So he didn't say, "Oh my gosh, I got so busy," and then you know, took you out to dinner and made a big deal out of it. He's just like, "I'm sorry." And that was it? No. Yeah. And then he later, and when he saw that I was still really upset, he said, I want to make it up to you any way that you want me to. Just let me know what you want. But I, I okay. felt like I had to come up with something then. It was... Now, Bridget, no, no, it, it would be one thing. So I'm asking here. I'm asking here. Is this just a birthday thing? I think I already know the answer from of this because of the tone of your voice. Or is this sort of a pattern where you're feeling neglected, where he isn't doing anything to show you that he's cherishing you? Or is every day great and it's just being triggered by a birthday situation? No, there's a pattern. I assumed from the tone of your voice. So what's going on there? What's the pattern all about? Well, he works a lot, a lot, a lot, and travels a lot. And he always has our whole marriage. And we have six kids. 
so I think that they probably would also feel neglected too. And so how have you tried to address all this with him, the bigger picture? I have told him that I think that he's a workaholic and he that he chooses work before us. And he says that he doesn't. He tries to prove to me with arguments like, no, this is a way that I'm not using work over you. And I try to do this and I try to do that. But it just seems like okay. work. Yeah. Well, all right. So, 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 um, what I want to do, I mean, it's going to be, a, I think, I think it's going to be a challenge, right? I'm not suggesting that there's a simple answer for this, but, but, the, but I, I have some suggestions for how to move forward. All right. So first with regard to the birthday thing, um, you know, I, I want you to tell him number one, that it's, it's his job to figure out what to do. It's not your job to tell him what to do. It's, it's your job to, to you know, he, he's known you for, you know, 30 years. Uh, and we're not, I'm not suggesting that he mind read, right? This is, you know, if the listeners are saying, well, she has to tell him what she wants. Uh, this, is, this is not about that. This is about, you know, he knows what birthdays are supposed to look like. And he, you know, it, with a little bit of thought and a little bit of effort, he can come up with something. And, and he could even, I think you'd be in a place, and I think all of us should be, where, you know, when you've been together as long as you guys have, I know this has happened to Greg and I, we start to run out of things to do that we haven't done before or give that we haven't given before. But if he's coming to you with, darling, your birthday's coming up, and I want to make it wonderful. I want to be able to take you away for a weekend or take you out to dinner or get you a present you love. Give me some hints on what would make you happy. That would be or if the, he came to you thing. even better if he came to you and said you know look well i know we've done you've liked this in the past and you've liked that in the past i'm not sure what would you prefer and then you can give him some feedback about that that's fine but i want you to put on the put on him the expectation to be clear look this isn't my job to tell you at this point you blew it it's your job to fix it i need you to come up with a couple of things that you'd like to do to celebrate my birthday even now and you can run those options past me if you like just to make sure it's you know something i'd enjoy um but you know i need you to to figure that out and and come to me, you know, because celebrate some, by this weekend. Yeah, just because my birthday's over, you know, our whole family has this idea of movable feasts that we steal from the church. You know, Holy Mother Church knows that some feasts have to be moved around on the calendar. Some are stationary, some are not. And we do that with birthdays. If something comes up, if a schedule trips over it, as long as we've made plans for another day, another celebration, it doesn't have to be on that exact day. But the point is... We're being thoughtful and communicative about how we're going to celebrate that person being in the world. And that's what you want to say to him. We're moving this. I'm not going to just let another year go by without you showing me that you care. Second thing on the birthday, and then I want to address the larger issue. Um, I, I want you to sit down with him and make sure that he puts a reminder in his phone for two weeks before your next birthday next year. Right? Uh, and, and that the, the, you're making clear there's an expectation that this never happens again. Yeah, because you just look. We just we are each of us. The theology of the body tells us is a unique and unrepeatable person, and, and and an image of God, right? And we have a we have a right to be celebrated and to be cherished. Marriage is supposed to be that physical sign of how much God loves us and cares for us. How are we ever going to expect to be like kind of walking into the arms of God in the next life and, and be able to receive all that incredible love He has for us if we've never experienced even the a modicum of that in in our married sacrament on, on this on this earth? And that's what you're yearning for, you know. That's what's going on, Margaret. That's where the pain in your heart is coming from right now, because you were created to be loved and cherished and be that unique and unrepeatable person, and his behavior towards you 
is shutting that down in you, and that hurts. So you have every right to expect to be treated better than this, and it's, it goes to the broader issue. Now, the, the, here's here's my suggestion for the larger concern. Um, you know, you guys are setting up your discussions as a or sort of a polarized way. You say you're a workaholic, and he says, no, I'm not, and then you guys try to prove back and forth who's right. That doesn't really solve the problem. Uh, it's irrelevant whether he's a workaholic or not. What, what's, what's relevant is that there are certain things that you guys need to do to be a functioning marriage and family. There, you need to find ways to work, play, talk, and pray together every day. You, you need to find ways to cherish each other. You need to find ways to really have him be present. It doesn't ma- you know, and, and that's what you need to talk to him about. It. What are we, how are we going to do? How are we going to do this moving forward? How, what's going to change here so that we can connect around working together, talking together, praying together, playing together every day? What, how are you going to make yourself present to your kids? What are you going to do every day, whether even if you're traveling, to show that you actually care about us? Those are the conversations you need to be having, not whether he's a workaholic or not. If you have these conversations, that'll address the workaholic issue. Absolutely will. I mean, this is, let's use the aholic in what you're saying he is to him. If he was addicted to drugs or alcohol, saying, hey, you're an alcoholic, Everybody knows that wouldn't get you anywhere. You need a plan for recovery. You need a 12-step program. You need, because those steps are what makes the change in somebody's life. Going through those steps, having that support, having the kind of conversations that Greg is talking about right now will give you steps to change this. And if he says, well, I'm not really a workaholic, you just say, look, I don't care what we decide to call it. You're not present. You're not present. We don't feel loved by you. Exactly. And you're not meeting the needs of this family, which, by the way, is your sacramental life. You have to take this as the most important thing you're doing, not your work. All right. So I got two resources for you. If you're saying, well, but I don't even know what that framework would look like. You know, well, I'm going to encourage you to to sign up for Catholic Home. That's Catholic H-O-M. You can download the app or go to CatholicHOM.com. We propose a framework for living a godly marriage and family life. It's called the Liturgy of Domestic Church Life. It'll walk you through all the steps, all the things, the ingredients you have to have in your marriage and family life for it to be a healthy, holy, godly, thriving relationship. Check it out. You, You can learn more about that and discuss that there. You can also go through the book how to heal your marriage and nurture lasting love with your husband to get more ideas. If you try this and you're getting so much pushback you can't move it forward on your own, then it's time to seek some professional help. And I'd really encourage you to reach out to us at catholiccounselors.com to learn more about our pastoral telecounseling practice where we can really help you guys get to that next place in, in, in your relationship. And I, we really encourage that or some other faithful counseling locally because... If you take this to anybody else, you know, who's secular, they're going to just say, well, just make yourself happy in your own camp, Margaret, and let him have his, and you'll both just kind of get along to, you know, get along. No, this is really about your faith life, who you're both created to be, and what your marriage is supposed to be. And the church has the truth on that. So make sure that if you feel that that's the step that you need to take, that you're finding faithful counseling for that all right margaret thank you so much for the call you're certainly not expecting too much uh in fact i think you've been settling for too little for too long and i hope that these uh, words will encourage you to really work toward the marriage that god wants you to have the family life that god wants for you and if there's more that we can do to support you come on over to catholiccounselors.com or check out the resources that we shared at catholichom.com all right we got to go to break when we come back we're continuing to take your calls about those times when words fail are you struggling to get someone to listen to you maybe they're misunderstanding your intentions or refusing to hear your point or respect your boundaries whatever it is let us help you identify the next steps 877 
573-7825. More to Life will continue with your questions. And Father Thomas Loya will be joining us in just a minute. Stick around. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the preborn are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions. But it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead. Because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death, no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I told him about the woman who came to me and said her two children hadn't spoken to each other for two years. Their grandma died and she was very wealthy. She left half to each one. She said they're arguing over a commode. She said inlaid. Can you imagine being in hell? And somebody saying to you, what are you here for? WTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Thank you for joining us on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And today on More to Life, when words fail, if you're struggling to get your point across, get someone to actually hear you, stop misunderstanding your intentions, or actually respect your boundaries when you tell them they've hurt your feelings... Give us a call at 877-573-7825. Joining us right now, Father Thomas Loya from the Tabor Life Institute. He is a pastor, a counselor, an expert on the theology of the body. Father Loya, welcome to More to Life. Thank you. Great to be here. I want to assure you, I have been listening to you. I'm hearing your message. Well, thank you. And I feel heard. Thank you. Well, you know, what about those times, though, when, when, when people aren't hearing us? Uh, what, what, what are some kind of faithful and effective ways that we can respond to those situations? Well, for one thing, they have to feel that they're being heard. So we have to be uh, very non-defensive, be very present to them, even even using body language. Make sure you're looking at them. Your head is not down, turned away. Your body's in a posture of receptivity. They want to be heard, and it's more likely that you'll be heard if they feel hurt. Now, what you can do, though, if you feel like you're not being heard, you ask, ask yourself, okay, um, how can I maybe rephrase things, or maybe there's a different time. You know, timing is often important. And also, as Jesus says, there's also that option of, you know, sometimes you have to shake the dust off your shoes and, and move on. So again, it's the, we would call it the boundary setting. Maybe, maybe you have to come back to it later on. The main thing is, is put a tape in your head, like a, a theology body tape. The magic word is going to be gift, which sounds like a pretty word, but really what it means is 
how can I be gift to this person in this moment? How can they be gift to me in this moment? How can I interpret that, look at that in, in those ways? So the lens of giftedness, I think that was John Paul II's favorite word in the in his whole theology about his spirituality, is gift means what what can I do that is going to be best for this person in this moment? And what are they doing that maybe can be a gift to me? And if I don't like it, or if it's maybe hard to hear, is it a gift to me? Can I turn it into gift? Am they being informed of something I don't want to And I just want to jump in here for a second, because I think when people hear that, they, they automatically think it just means how can I be more accommodating? How can I be more, you know, understanding? When sometimes, though, being a gift to others does mean setting the boundary that stops them from behaving in an offensive or hurtful way. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just have to, uh, we might say, in a sense, put somebody in their place, as it were, you know, in, in a good way, but but you know, very forthright way. Yeah, it runs a, it's a broad spectrum. This di- this idea of gift is actually a broad spectrum. Like I said, it sounds like a pretty word, but it, it's, it can be pretty, it can be nice, but sometimes it's not so nice, but it's still well-intended. It's the correct thing. So the gift is, bottom line is, gift is, what does this person need? not what I want to give them, what do they want, what do they need from me? Am I willing to love them enough to give them that? And and vice versa. What what how are they I have to search, how are they being gift to me? Is there something in their message? Maybe they don't like it, they're not delivering it well. Is there something that I need to hear in order to understand them better? It doesn't justify if they're doing something wrong, but it's a it's sort of a it's sort of a as John Paul II says, this whole idea of gift is very reciprocal. It's like there's a kind of reciprocal circuit, he, he says to it, uh, about it, that we, as we are gift to others, we have to see how might they be gift to us, even if it's not pretty. So it's, really, it's a spirituality of giftedness, which is very open, receptive, non-defensive, but it does what is best for that person. It's based on that sense of true love. Father Loya, thank you so much for those insights. And if folks would like to learn more about your good work, they can go to TaborLife.org. That's T-A-B-O-R, Life.org, like Mount Tabor. And we are taking your calls right now, folks, at 877-573-7825. Maybe you're listening to Father Loya and saying, well, yeah, I realize that they're supposed to, I'm supposed to be a gift to them or they're supposed to be a gift to me, but... Maybe I could return it because <laughs> I'm not feeling very gifted right now. Uh, I'm not feeling gifted by them. Well, look, the situation is wh- wh- whatever you're struggling, whenever you're struggling to be heard by somebody, whether that's to get your point across or, or to get them to listen to the fact that they've hurt you or the boundaries that you're setting on the relationship. And, and this applies to you know kids, too, where we struggle to get them to listen to us or respect our, our consequences or our rules. Whether you're talking about kids or adults or anybody in between, we want to help you be heard. Give us a call. The number is 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue with your calls about getting heard on our show titled When Words Fail. Stick around. We'll be back in a minute. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. We listen to all kinds of things, as the Pope says. The radio, the TV, we listen to our phones all kinds of other messages, but are we silencing ourselves enough that we may listen for God? The other thing we need to do is continue to educate ourselves on the faith. Are we listening to Catholic programming on a regular basis? Are we attending really good, healthy, faith-filled conferences to learn more from those who may be scripture scholars or apologists or maybe just a good talk from a spiritual leader or maybe watching a good video? 
of a wonderful priest such as a Father John Ricardo or a Bishop Barron or someone else. So continue to, as Father John Harden used to say, educate, educate, educate yourself in the Catholic faith. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Groeschel. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the President of some country or something. You might get a little lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence, and in proportion as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Hi, I'm Lisa Popcheck. Do you need to have an important conversation with someone? Here's a tip. Do twice as much listening as talking. Don't do it as a technique. Listen because you're genuinely interested in what the other person thinks, what motivates them, and what their goals, concerns, and needs are. Successful conversationalists may not agree with everything the other people say, but they're careful not to rush to judgment. They ask questions. They show real care and concern. They look for points of agreement to build on. They don't try to change the person they're speaking with, but they do look for ways to be a positive influence while deepening the relationship. Christians call this approach accompaniment. To learn more about being an effective listener, especially when it comes to building a better relationship with your adult kids, check out our book, Having Meaningful, Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Your Adult Sons and Daughters, or visit CatholicCounselors.com. Thank you for joining us today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And today on More to Life, when words fail, are you struggling to get the people around you to really hear you? Maybe you feel like they're misunderstanding your intentions or just refusing to listen to your point. Maybe you've tried to tell someone that they've hurt you only to have them ignore you. Or you've tried to set a boundary with somebody only to have them walk all over you anyway. And by the way, this all this includes kids, too. I mean, sometimes it's hard to get them to listen or respect our rules or even consequences. Whether we're talking to adults or kids or anybody in between, if you're having a hard time being heard, we want to help you find graceful ways forward. The number 877-573-7825. Again, that number, 877-573-7825. Let's talk now with Bridget, who's listening to EWTN Radio in Illinois. Hi, Bridget. Welcome to More to Life. How can we help you? Hi. God bless you for having this program. I go to a ladies' Bible study, and a lot of us are retired and grandparents. And the biggest single uh, ache we have in our hearts 
is um, not unbaptized grandchildren. And I know it's just a right. sore point for more and more and more people. And I am one of the many who feels like, well, I tried, um, and now it's like touching the third rail to bring it up. I can't bring it up anymore. Mm. And even my pastor has said, just quit. Just quit. They'll have to wait and until their own, you know, timing. But I, I felt like um, there were a lot of circumstances that conspired to not having their first child baptized. It was mainly um, our daughter's very, very severe postpartum depression. It was like there was, you know, I brought it up at the time, and they're like, I can't even think about that. And then um, when that baby, their first was four months old, um, she got pregnant again, and they took it very well. You know, most people would have, you know, panicked and, and cried, and um, they took it in stride, and um, then they told them it was twins. <laughs> so, Mercy, um, that's a big, big adjustment so very quickly. They're not, they're not making it up that they're very, very busy and have a lot on their plates, but they're taking it wonderfully. And they are, um, you know, their marriage seems very strong and things are going well. If Are we the twins mass, born now or is she still pregnant? Oh, yeah, we're talking, you know, we're talking uh, one is just over two and two are just over one. Okay. All right. So, so maybe, maybe she's starting to crawl out of the rabbit hole of, of this whole, you know, adjustment in her life. Now, you were saying something about Mass. Tell us about your daughter and her husband's faith life. Are they active Catholics? Do they go to Mass? Where are they with God? Us for a formal blessing on a proposal. I'm sorry, Bridget, um, you got cut off for a minute. Can you Can you say that again? He Do they go to, to church? Yeah. A formal, he came to us for a formal blessing on his proposal, which was very nice. And I said to him, the only thing that concerns me is that because you're not Catholic and you're in a, uh, you know, raised in a congregation that is pretty anti-Catholic, um, you know, that, that you're, you're choosing a harder path. I was um, raised in a mixed marriage, and my father was supportive and kept his promises to take us to church but i said it was it was a lonely way to be and i see my niece taking her kids to church alone and and that makes me sad and he goes no i would never do that to her when the kids are you know it's my so, place to so so but I, I guess about your tell me about your daughter's faith life i mean is she is she an active catholic generally speaking I mean, does she have a prayer life you know what, what do you know about her her spirituality um she went to Catholic high school, and, you know, you come out of there a little jaded about some Catholic things. She went to a Catholic college that was more concerned about um, whether the Muslim student organization was getting time and, and uh So what I'm hearing you say is that she's, yeah. she's not, she doesn't really practice. She does. What I'm hearing you say is she doesn't. She come with us. She's not, but that's okay, yeah, but that's that's right. That that's yeah. a, okay. But but what that is is that's that's a family obligation. That's not that doesn't mean that she has a relationship with God or the church. Right. And so, so here's here's the thing with this, Bridget, and I think you know this. And and I I want to say you know our first caller Margaret really intuited this as well. People often think that it's just our words we have to listen to. It's not. It's how people 
behave. It's their body language. It's their life choices. It's how they're living their life. When we listen to those actions, we watch them and we take that in. That's listening to people's behavior. That's when we get a sense of what's really going on. Words can can try to, you know, push us away or cover things up, but it's those actions when we listen to them and take them in that we get the real picture. So on the one hand, I completely understand your hope that when she got through, you know, two pregnancies, one with twins in, you know, two years time, barely, that she'd come up for air and say, oh, now I have to take the kids to be baptized. Beneath your hope that your child, your grandchildren would be baptized is your hope that that would signify that your daughter has an active faith life, that she is talking to God, that she loves God, that she wants to build her life around what he wants her to do, and that she loves the church and celebrates all the sacraments and has a Catholic life. What you're hearing in every choice she's making is that for whatever reason, that is not the case right now. And for you and all those other people in your prayer group, that's actually the starting point of where you go from here. Yeah, because, you know, as, as Catholics, um, for, for way too long, I mean, honestly, generations, we've satisfied ourselves with getting people sacramentalized, but not evangelized. And that doesn't work. No, and and that's what your focus is. You're you're you know, and and I and I appreciate where you're coming from, right? I mean, your intentions are very very good. I I want my grandkids to be baptized too. Um, you know, that's a good thing to want. But but it's not just a matter of going through the ritual. It it, it we have to make sure that our our kids and our grandkids are actually evangelized. And your daughter isn't, for various reasons. And, and you know, you're you're talking about you know the Catholic school situation, and all that. We we could, we could. I want I want to talk more later on about some of that. But but for now. Just to respond to your question here, I don't want you to push the baptism issue because that's putting the cart before the horse. I want her to baptize her kids. I want your grandkids to be baptized. But but more importantly, in the shorter term, is how do we get her to have a relationship with God in the church, a and personal relationship where she feels God actually cares about her, what she's going through, and, and that the church has something to offer her. And that has to go hand in glove with having a child baptized because the parents and the whole church community make promises when we have someone baptized as a child and that is to promise to be able to raise them in the faith and that doesn't mean take them for their sacraments and you know make sure they're at church for you know these things it means being able to really help them facilitate an understanding of who God is develop that relationship with them with God and really help them understand who they are in Christ and we can't really give what we don't have so when we as grandparents just say just get them baptized just get them baptized we're treating baptism as a get out of hell free card instead of the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God and his church that will be fruitful and beautiful so in, we have a, in our book how to have meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations with our adult sons and daughters. It's it's really not it's not just about having conversations. It's really about how do we as a, a parents of adult kids serve as mentors and disciples, uh, disciplers, excuse me, to to our adult children. Um, and and how do we address? How do we hear what their life is saying to us? And how do we address the questions that maybe they're not even asking? Uh, and have those meaningful conversations. What I, what I want you to really look at, Bridget, I'd love for you to get the book as a follow-up to this, but where I want you to start is by asking yourself, how do you witness 
to your daughter. I don't mean lecture. I mean witness. How do you how do you experience God's love and power in your life, in your marriage, uh, and how do you witness to that to your daughter? You know, how do you show her with your life and and again not lecture her, but but how do you show her God's power and presence in your life, and and why that would be a blessing to her as well. How do you bring God into your relationship with your daughter? I mean, so a simple way, for example, when she's talking to you about the things that she's going through. The you exhaustion, know. the fear, the the overwhelmedness of everything she's going through as a mother of three children under two. You know, she, you, you, you empathize with her first and you really give her your heart. But then, you know, without even asking, you just, you, you just say, you know, Lord, please bless my daughter. I know she's going through so much right now and I wish I could do more to help her. Could you please reveal yourself to her and carry her through this challenging time and let her know how much you love her and then move on to something else. But you're bringing God into that situation as and, and showing her in a meaningful way that he cares about her personally and what she's going through. Uh, and, and by dropping those little seeds, that, that lets her know that she can relate to God in that way, too. Uh, uh, by the way, and when you move on to something else right after that prayer, if you're feeling like she's tense, move on to anything else. Just the weather, you know, what's going on in the world. But if she's at all just calm through that and you live close enough, say, and what can I do to help, sweetheart? Can I bring you over a week of meals? Can I come over and just do all your laundry, fold it and put it away because you have no arms right now? Show her that your love has action. If you live far away, send her meals if you can. Do something to show her that your love wants to help take care of her and your love is motivated by how much God loves you and her. I was praying about your situation and God just put it on my heart that I could do this for you. Right. Yeah. Again, another work? example of a witness. Would right? that help you in some way? But I want you to really. I also want you to really look hard at your uh, at your own personal life and your relationship with your husband. Okay, because we just did a study through uh, Georgetown University. Uh, we sponsored this research on what it takes to raise the next generation of faithful kids. And everybody always says to us, "I did all the things. I said we went to mass. So I sent them to Catholic school, and then they they, they didn't." What the research really shows is that that's all helpful. But it's secondary and supportive. The most important thing is, is not what we do outside the home. The most important thing is making sure that our kids experience the faith in a meaningful way in the home. Uh, yes, in the way we pray together as a family, but even more importantly, how our faith makes our relationships stronger and better than than our non-Catholic and non-Christian friends and does, neighbors. Does our faith give us the tenacity and the perseverance to get through harder times together better? Does it draw us closer and make us more, um, you know, more of a team in everything we do? Not just the good times, the rough times too. It doesn't mean about being a perfect family. It's about letting our faith inform what we do and make us stronger and closer to each other and to God. How that relates to your situation now is that you want to be looking at how, again, your witness. How does God's power and, and, and love reveal itself in your life? How does God's power and love reveal itself in your marriage? Are, are, you know, is when, when your daughter looks at you and your life and your relationship with your husband, does she see something that she wants to emulate? Because she sees you know, the church has really informed my parents' love for each other. The church and, and God's love has really informed my mom's approach to life. And I want that. I want to have those resources and that strength. I want to turn to her as a model of, of, of what a faithful woman looks like. If, if you, the more, I want you to work on that. 
Yeah, I'm sure that there are parts of that that are true, but I want you to really, really develop that because that's where you're going to be touching your daughter's heart and evangelizing her so that eventually she wants her kids to be sacramentalized too. Exactly. It's And if you're saying, well, no, we were lacking in this. We really just relied upon you know, sending her to Catholic schools or to youth group or all of those things. We thought we were doing our best. We didn't know. Now's the time to continue to work on that because what we see our parents' marriages like when we are adults actually still really matters. So if there are ways for you and your husband to get closer, more faithful, more loving, and you let that love spill over to the way you're supporting her temporally, spiritually, in a good friendship, you're deepening your friendship with your daughter. She needs her mom right now. She needs a best friend. I mean, three children under the age of two can make even the strongest woman knees shake. She needs your love and your support. That's what's going to allow her heart to be open to any encouragement you give her in returning to the church. So you can pass it on to all the ladies in the Bible study as yeah. well. Uh, and, and maybe guys could go do a, do a, a discussion group around having meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations great idea. with your adult sons and daughters. Because I think it's going to raise a lot of really important insights uh, and thoughts about how you all can proceed more effectively in evangelizing your adult kids and support each other in it you know it's a brand new way of thinking and then if you actually studied it together went through it shared your own personal narratives and then began to say let's let's begin to do this together and encourage each other to do it and then people come back with questions or they come back with successes that could really build your prayer group and give you all the support you need and what's really Bridget a very difficult situation it is heartbreaking as a parent to think you've done all the right things you've worked really hard you've made tremendous sacrifices to send your kids to catholic school and and catholic college and then suddenly you lose the whole next generation and your heart is shattered by it and we understand what you're going through but our message today is there is hope if you proceed in the ways that we're talking about all right, Bridget, thank you so much for the call. And again, I, I, I'm going to encourage you to follow up with these suggestions we've made here. But if you need more support, then reach out to us at CatholicCounselors.com and check out the book, Having Meaningful, Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Her Adult Sons and Daughters. It really is the next step. And while I appreciate what Bridget's priest was saying in terms of the back off, it's not back off and then do nothing, which is often what you know well-meaning people will tell us. Just back off. God will do all the work. No, it is backing off from this just saying, get your kid baptized, get your kid baptized, get your kid baptized, and really moving on to something that is important and significant and life-changing for all of you and can really open that line to faith again in their lives. All right, with that we have to go to break, but as we head out to our break, it's time for our scripture of the day, which comes to us from James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Important advice for, for us to remember to really listen to each other and 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 hear what would the message behind the words, so that we can respond in graceful ways. And really think about the fact that, as we were saying, listening to people's behavior 
really is a form of listening, but don't just take it at face value. Then go back and clarify. This is what I'm picking up from you. What are you trying to tell me? We'll be back in just a minute with more of your questions at 877-573-7825. Our show today is titled When Words Fail, as we talk about those times when someone's misunderstanding you, mishearing you, not paying attention to your boundaries or your efforts to address the concerns that you have, or just when you even try to go to them and tell them that you they've hurt your feelings, ignoring you altogether. What do you do? Let's talk it out. 877-573-7825. More to Life will continue with your calls after this. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Do you have an unrelated twin, a doppelganger walking around somewhere? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Scripture points to many who may have been actual twins. Doubting Thomas, one of the twelve apostles, may have been a twin. His surname is Didymus, which means double or twofold. Is it possible for each of us to have a twin of sorts, an unrelated person who so closely resembles us that they pass for a twin? Research cited by Dr. Peter Atia indicates that 99.9% of the human genome is identical across all humans. So it is possible that at least one of the billions on Earth could have a slight bit more genetic material that makes them look like me or you. But it isn't just looks. Even certain behaviors studied tend to be more similar in lookalikes. The next time someone says you look like George Clooney, research says it's possible. For more on this, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with a book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Want more tips for living a more joyful, abundant life through the gift of the theology of the body? Well, and follow us on Facebook at More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa, and on Twitter and Instagram at Catholic Counselors. We'll see you there. Thank you for joining us today on More to Life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Lisa Popchak. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and today's show is titled When Words Fail, as we talk about those challenges we all have in getting other people to listen to us. Whether you feel like that other person is misunderstanding your intentions or refusing to hear your point, or you've tried to tell them that they've hurt your feelings only to have them ignore you, or you've set some boundaries only to have them walk all over them, we are here to help you figure out what to do when words don't work. 877-573-7825. Now, Greg, we had a call from Sarah, who was listening to EWTN Radio in Indiana. She had to go, but we want to take her call. Hopefully you're still listening, Sarah. She said, how, to, how do I deal with non-communication in a relationship? My fiancé just shuts down when I try to talk to him about important things. 
Well, Sarah, I, I would say, I mean, you're not going to like hearing this, but I, I'm going to say to you that unless you can be confident that this issue is resolved, then you should not get married to this man. Yeah, it's part of your discernment process uh, when you are engaged to someone. And often people think, especially today, engagement means marriage. We see so many people who just get engaged, get a diamond ring on their finger and think, that's it. We don't actually have to take the vows. No, engagement is supposed to be entering into a very significant discernment period where we are working out a lot of those major issues that you're going to be dealing with in your married life and building a life of faith and communication and support and love and cherishing together. That So when you take those vows, you know you're committed to taking those well, vows. Well, and, and more than that, capable of doing what the church asks you to do That's in right. marriage. And one of the things now, so marriage is a sacrament of healing. I'm going to let that sink in. Marriage is a sacrament of healing. It's supposed to give us the grace to um, do the work that we need to do to heal the parts of us that, that, that struggle to love the way God wants us to love. Now, in order to do that work that God is giving us the grace to do, we need to be able to have enough self-regulation to not shut down when I'm presented with the work. Right. So when you go to your fiance right now and you bring these things to him, what he's what he's showing you is I don't have the psychological and emotional capacity to do the work that marriage requires. That's that's what his behavior is saying. Now, I, I, I'm sure that he's got lots of good reasons for it. Maybe he's been through difficult things in his childhood. I don't know. But that doesn't matter to you. The most important thing you have to be asking yourself right now is, is, is he able to get to a place where he could do the work? that marriage requires. Participate with the grace that God is going to give you in the sacrament of marriage to overcome challenges, to to challenge each other, to grow in ways that you'd never expect to grow, but that God is asking you to grow, to work through the problems that life throws at you and stay strong in the face of those things. Does he have the ability to do that? Right now you're saying he doesn't. And as long as he doesn't, you cannot marry this man. Now, if he, if you go to him and you say, honey, you're really not showing me that you have the capability of doing these things, as Greg enumerated, and he says, yeah, you're right, I don't. And you say, well, are you willing to work with me with a good pastoral counselor? Somebody could help us to get those skills. And he says, yes, and you start doing it. That's a step that's saying, you know, keep on discerning this together. If but he if says it looks no... Like, but, if it looks like, but even if you're doing the counseling, if it's, it's going to be the 10-year plan for getting him to heal these wounds that stop him from shutting down, I would still seriously suggest that this man is not ready to be married. Correct. And that yeah. you need, it's and not at that until point, you know that he's actually actively working And at that point, you need, to, you need to discern whether this is something that you're, that you're able to work on in marriage. Um, because there are certain things, you, you know, that you, the grace is there, right? But we have to be in a place where we can cooperate with that grace. And as long as your fiancé does this, he's not in a place where he can do that. And you have to decide how long you're willing or, or able to wait for him to be there. Um, we can't marry, you know, everybody, everybody has stuff that they have to work out. You know, that, that's fine. That, that's, that's part of why marriage is a healing sacrament. But we have to be able to do that healing work and be willing to do that healing work with each other. And right now, he's not showing you that he can. So I think this is a real come-to-Jesus moment where you have to really pray about whether this relationship is tenable uh, and whether he can give you what he needs and 
cooperate with the grace that, that to do the work that marriage is going to require of you guys. Take a look more at uh, For Better Forever, A Catholic Guide to Lifelong Marriage to get more uh, of an idea what a healthy, godly Catholic relationship looks like. Or contact us at CatholicCounselors.com to learn more about our pastoral telecounseling practice if you guys feel that that would be an important step to take moving forward. That's all the time we've got for today's program. And if you'd like help in those situations where words aren't working for you, reach out to us at CatholicCounselors.com to learn more about how our pastoral telecounseling practice can help you find ways forward in God's grace. You've been listening to More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. More to Life is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Dan McGraw. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net.